0: Mike here with He's Entertainment. Today's episode we got Carol Baskin, the star of Tiger King and Dancing with the Stars. If
1: you like what we're doing, hit the subscribe button.
2: Let's go. hey all you cool cats and kittens. It's Carol Baskin from Big Cat Rescue, and I am on the I Only Touch Greatness podcast.
1: Looking for the most beers on tap?
0: great steaks. Great staff head over to the John B pub.
1: We got the best beers, steaks, chicken wings, nachos in town. Come see us at the John B pub. The John B pub, the best bar in town. Come sign up for our football pool. Say hey St. hey, Hey.
0: The number one sports podcast in Vancouver with Ryan
1: Hayes and Big Mike. Ryan Hayes and Big Mike.
2: I, never stop.
1: I only touch greatness podcast.
0: Hayes and Big Mike are taking over the podcast scene in Vancouver. Get down or lay down. Lay Lay down. down.
2: Only Touch Greatness podcast yeah. with Ryan Hayes and Big
1: Mike. We are going live. Hello. Hello, Carol. Hello. Hi, how can are you? Yeah, I'm good. I can hear you. Can you hear me fine? Yeah. Perfect. I'm Ryan. By the way, I'm the one that's been talking to you, and I'm joined with Big Mike, my co-host. Hi. Hello, Carol. Nice to meet you. Thank you for taking the time for us today. We really appreciate it.
2: My pleasure. Thank
1: you. So, Born in Texas, what was childhood like growing up?
2: I didn't actually grow up there. I was born at the Lackland Air Force Base, but my father was only in the service for one term, so we came back to Tampa after that.
0: Oh, okay. okay. Our, your, our stats were wrong there, Ryan. I know. First one, <laughs> and we already got
1: a wrong stat.
0: I was born in Texas (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When did you fall in love for cats And when did it
2: all start You know a couple years ago People Magazine was asking for a photograph of me When I was a child And so I was looking through some old family albums And I pulled out a picture It was the first picture my parents had ever taken of me After bringing me home from the hospital And my mother's holding me And my father's holding a cat And on the back of the picture It said the cat's name was Tiger So I think it was probably... In the stars. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, Can you tell us a little about wildlife on Easy Street, which then became Big Cat Rescue?
2: Yeah, it was never anything that I set out to do. My goal from the time that I was a child was to rescue domestic cats from being killed in shelters due to overpopulation. But I had um, spent a lot of time in veterinary offices. And if a bobcat gets hit by a car, a vet can usually fix them up in 30 minutes to an hour, but then you're talking months of healing. And so they would ask me to take these cats home and um, rehabilitate them and then release them, which I did since I was like 17 years old. Wow. Yeah. And And there is nothing more wicked than a bobcat. I absolutely love them. They are the toughest animal on the planet. Nobody would ever have names like tigers or lions for their sports teams. They would all go for bobcats if they knew anything about bobcats.
1: Yeah, that's that's different. Do you have a favorite movie? A favorite? Movie.
2: Movie. Uh, Yes, Memento.
0: Okay, okay, that's a good one. Do you have a favorite type of
1: cat? Is it the Bobcat? It's the Bobcat. Okay, okay. And if you could sit down for dinner with anyone famous, other than yourself, I mean, you're a big star nowadays. But the, uh, if you could sit down for dinner with anyone famous, who would, who's dead or alive?
2: I'm glad you said dead or alive. Albert Einstein.
1: There you go.
0: Perfect.
2: That's the best one. The smartest guy around. Yeah. I I, I... I just would love to listen to him talk about you know how he thinks how his mind works
0: uh what music makes you happier what do you listen to
2: <laughs> my husband says i like the sound of whales in space <laughs> i kind of yeah. like that ethereal kind of music okay okay um
1: okay where did your slogan come from the hey all cool cats and kittens
2: you know, that started a few years ago because I do something at the sanctuary called the Daily Big Cat where I recap what's happened at the sanctuary that day. And I would always start it out by saying something along those lines. And it seems like thinking it was like in 2016 that I finally landed on that one line that I started using from there going forward.
0: Okay. And uh, the whole Tiger, thing, Tiger King documentary, uh, when did it actually like, when did the idea start about it?
2: Well, they came to us about five years before Tiger King came out, and they said what they were working on was blackfish for big cats. Did you guys ever see blackfish?
0: No, I can't say I did. No, I
2: don't. You probably know about it even if you didn't see it, because it was the documentary that then caused SeaWorld to pretty much have to shut down all of the yeah, things I they do. were doing to orcas. Yes, of, <laughs> of course.
1: I did see that.
2: Yeah. And that's what we were told that we were working on for big cats because we believed if people knew how cruel the cub petting is and how it always leads to misery for the mother cats and for the cubs and how they end up being killed for their parts and uh, mistreated, nobody would ever pay to have their picture made with a cub. So we were happy to work with them for years. And they kept saying, you know, they were getting all this great stuff and they were really going to bring out this film that was going to finally put an end to all of the abuse. And then about a week or two before the, the show came out, you know how the teasers and such will come out about a week or so ahead of time. Yep. And everybody in the movie industry knows each other. And so we saw this advertisement for something called, uh, Joe. what was it called? Was it Joe, Joe Exotic? Joe Exotic Murder, Mayhem and Madness. And we called them up and we were like, who's doing that show? What, what is that about? And they all of a sudden didn't wanna talk about it anymore. And so we were just shocked <laughs> that that was what they came up with after all of those years of work and something that we really thought was going to do something for the animals.
0: Wow, that's crazy that they would do that to you. And like, when did you actually catch on that they did that, that they were trying to portray you as a, the bad guy?
2: Well, we binge watched it like everybody else did. Yeah. And because <laughs> we kept thinking, surely they're going to tell the truth at some point. They're not going to just leave all of these lies and rumors hanging in the air. And that's exactly what they did, because I think it, it was something that sold and that um, they found to be a profitable, a profitable, I don't even know what the word is that I'm looking for, venture. And yeah. there was just no reason for them to ever come forward with the truth of the matter. And that's why we created a page at bigcatrescue.org forward slash Netflix. Because we had given them all of the evidence that they needed to show that, you know, the, the thing about the, um, the handwriting experts and stuff, we had three expert handwriting companies back in 1998 look at all of the documents and they said these were Don's signatures. And so for them to say, "Oh, you know, she, she forged all these documents. And the reason we know this is because this one person came forward and said that she wasn't a witness, well, what they didn't say is that one person—the year that she came up with that and said that she wasn't a witness—was the same year that she started doing business with Doc Antle. So, you know, she had a really good reason to want to throw me under the bus and lie about me. But they didn't show that. So, there were just so many things like that throughout the show that we felt like it—it it was something we needed to go through. You know, every the single allegation and put the evidence out there.
1: Exactly, okay. lies upon lies upon lies. And when did you first meet Joe Exotic? Because, I mean, I saw the show, but a lot of people might not have.
2: I've never even spoken to him. So the idea of there being like this huge feud between us was yeah. ridiculous. We had to sue him because he was using our name and people were thinking that it was us out at these malls doing this cub heading. And so we had to stop him from using our name. But even during that, I've only ever been in the same room with him, I think, five times and four of those were in courtrooms <laughs> where I never <laughs> spoke to him and one of them was at an event in Ohio where they were going to change the laws so that people couldn't have lions and tigers in their backyards and of course I was there on the side against having lions and tigers in your backyard and he was there on the side of having lions and tigers in your backyard and he attacked this little old lady that I knew that was the head of the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries. So I got in between the two of them to stop him from coming at her, but that's the only interactions we can.
1: Because like wow. the show kind of made it out to be like you guys were at war for a long time.
2: People say that my my name was on his lips for years, and I know that from his little YouTube show that he would do each night. Oh, yeah. He'd rant and rave and scream. But I never did anything like that back to him. And even though the producers of Tiger King kept trying to bait me into saying something nasty about him personally, I just wasn't willing to do it. And so if you can't, you know, if your whole thing is you're trying to pitch a feud and you have one person that's feuding and the other person is like, no, I want to talk about the issues, then I think the only thing they could do is to try and paint me as this villain who drove him to madness.
0: It's crazy, crazy, crazy how they can portray someone like that. Um, can you tell me what it was like coping with that pandemic while being in the spotlight?
2: You know, I'm kind of glad that it happened at the same time. I mean, not that I would want a pandemic to happen at any time, but I'm such a recluse, and I, I was like, I don't like to go out in public anyway. And so, by virtue of being, as you you said, famous, I don't really feel like it's famous. It's something else. It's not like you know, famous for people that are talented and. go out and try to entertain and gain fame but by having that thrust upon me i was glad that it was during a time when i could wear a mask i could stay at home (laughs) i didn't have to go out public that much so it happened at a good time for me okay
1: the documentaries almost came out simultaneously simultaneously with covid last march when we all got started getting shut down and then boom all of a sudden tiger king came and it was like the first real show that we all got to binge watch last year during lockdowns.
2: Yeah, we had shut the sanctuary down on March the 15th due to COVID because not only did we not want our people to catch it, but they started finding that cats could catch it. And we didn't want to expose our cats to it. And so that was on March 15th and on March 20th was when Tiger King came out. So there was only this five day window between the two. Wow.
0: And uh, how did it, how would you say it affected your mental health uh, being portrayed as like the bad guy?
2: You know, I don't really take it personally because I feel like what they did was for financial gain, and you really I can't anyway blame people for doing what they do. I think people do the best that they can, and that I believe we we reincarnate and that we keep coming back until we get it right. And so I feel like we're all on a path toward being better people. And maybe they just need a few more laps around the sun. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and uh, can you also tell me a little bit about the nasty feedback after Tiger King came out, like the threats and how it affected you?
2: Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. You know, my husband and I sat there because we binge watched it. And at the end of it, we just looked at each other and said, well, that was a missed opportunity. Because we're thinking, you know, they just missed the total point that these animals are suffering and we're going to lose the tiger in the wild in the next few years if we don't stop all of these private breeding and uh, discarding, which is, you know, fueling the trade for them and their parts. And that puts more pressure on them in the wild. And while we're sitting there thinking this, my phone started ringing And it rang, it must have been every two minutes for the next three months, with people just screaming obscenities at me and saying that they wanted me dead, that they wanted my family dead, they wanted to kill the cats. And then I was like, wait, what? The cats? Why do you want to kill the cats? And they would say that it was because they felt like these cats would rather be dead than be in cages. And I absolutely agree with them that these animals do not belong in cages. But what Tiger King failed to tell anybody is that if they're born in a cage, they're doomed to the rest of their life in a cage because you can't release them after they've been handled by people and in captivity. And so these animals that we rescue are stuck in cages for the rest of their lives. But our goal is to end the breeding and the exploitation of these cats so that there's no cats to rescue. So that we don't have to be here. There shouldn't have to be a place that rescues cats from a horrible situation. We should just be better people than that and not do horrible things.
1: Was there ever going to be a season two of Tiger King? I, I, I read somewhere that you talked about that.
2: They hit, the producers had reached out to me and said that they wanted to clear the air, and there's been a number of people that said they were, um, that they had been talking to the producers on a season two, but I told them, you know, lose my number. You obviously, I don't think they cared at all about what was the truth, and there's no reason to believe that they're any more enlightened now a year later than they were then. No, yeah, oh, exactly.
0: Yeah. It's, it's hard to go back on someone when they did that to you, stabbed you in the back, basically.
2: Yeah. You know, fooled me once, shame on you. Fooled me twice, shame on me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Was, I remember all that horrible stuff that happening to you. Yeah, I mean, Joe made his song. And there's another Canadian guy named Merkley's that made a song. I don't know if you ever heard that song, but yeah, it. I saw the way you were being portrayed after that incident. After the show came out, and basically for the last year, we've been trying to get you on because I knew that you. See, like I watched another interview that you did. you seemed very nice, and it wasn't the way that it was portrayed to make you seem like a bitch. Sorry to use the word, but yeah, they it, it wasn't. I didn't like the way that they portrayed you. The picture portrayed.
2: Yeah it's really amazing I mean I think they were masterful in the way that they did it and the on that page that I mentioned earlier bigcatrecipe.org/netflix I would go through minute by minute and say you know at this point where they're trying to make me look you know vicious or like I'm saying something or acting negatively they're slowing the camera down, you know, or doing this sinister look, you know, in response to something somebody else has just got through saying, but I'm obviously not in the same room with them. I'm not reacting to them, but they're piecing these things together to make it look like that. And I think they did just an unbelievably good job of fooling people. And I think that's why so many people were fooled. And I think it's going to be a hard thing for people to ever get past because once you've been misled, and especially if you engaged in all of the sharing of the memes and the TikTok songs and all of that cruelty, then it's gonna be really hard for people who have participated in that to ever say that they could have been wrong. And so I think it'll be easier for them to just, you know, block out any new information that might make them look like they had been duped.
0: Exactly. Um, Is there still 55
2: cats there? Uh, We have 51 cats here and um, we just lost a tiger a few days ago and so that was really hard. She was a a big favorite here. A white tiger named Sapphire.
1: Okay. okay. What were your (laughs) thoughts when you finally got Jozu? Sorry. Uh, What were your thoughts when you finally got Jozu?
2: Um, You know, it was nice to have closure there, and I expect that we should have a contract on it by the end of this week. So I think it'll finally be completely closed that I'll never have to think about it again. Part of what we required in the purchase was that they never house exotic animals there again, because we don't want that to just start, you know, somebody else to start up the same kind of horrible thing there, so that means tearing down all of the cages and all of that so that that's not used for that purpose any longer. It it was sad because my husband had been there during the bankruptcy several years ago, but I had never been there. And I think a lot of people like me, the only visuals that they had of the GW Zoo were what they saw in Tiger King. And Tiger King showed some really nice large enclosures with cats running around and playing in the water. And what they didn't show are just hundreds of these little like I don't know, maybe eight feet by sixteen foot jail cells. And it was just row after row after row of these with, you know, no grass and um, hard packed, unbelievably stinking earth from cats peeing on it constantly for however many years he's been there, 20, 30 years. And it to think that those animals live that kind of life was really depressing.
0: That's terrible. Absolutely. I'm guessing there's still no visitors because of COVID?
2: Correct. Uh, okay. you know, until COVID is long past, there's vaccines for people now, but not for cats.
1: Yeah. And The cats, uh, the cats are still prone to
2: it? Yeah, they can still catch it. Okay.
1: Um, I got one here. Um,
0: how about those YouTubers that uh, set you up with the Jimmy Fallon uh, interview?
2: <laughs> those guys were hilarious you know, when when Tiger King came out, you can imagine there was like 300 different media outlets wanted to talk about it. And I just told everybody no, because I was so I felt so betrayed by the Tiger King people. And, you know, they had told us they were our best friends, they had had dinner with us, they come to my parents homes, you know, we felt like they were trustworthy people. And so I felt like, well, there's just nobody out there that I can trust. so I wouldn't talk to anybody. And my daughter looked at the list of media and she said well the Jimmy Fallon show you've got to do that and you've got to do dancing with the stars which I had never heard of and so I agreed to do the Jimmy Fallon thing and I thought it was a little weird because of the way the setup was and if you saw the video you know what I'm talking about but they pulled it off so well that they had me going and I really thought that I was on the show and just thought we had like you know a, a delay and a bad connection was why this was going down the way it did but the great thing about it was they had something like back then I don't I haven't even looked recently but I think they had like seven million views and yeah. they to talk about the issues which is what I wanted to do anyway was to talk about saving the tigers. so it was all good in my book
1: <laughs> uh, that's what we're hoping to do too is to help save some tigers with this one um uh, what were your thoughts when you got chosen to be on dancing with the stars and
2: well, when I first got the email, it was from the co-producer, Dina Katz. And so it was like, this is just another thing punking me, right? Nobody named Katz is calling me from Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but it turned out uh, she was authentic. And a big part of what made me do it was that they said that I could talk about it on the show. And they said, you know, we g- generate all kinds of media I had no idea how much media. Oh my gosh, every time I got out of my car, either at the apartment that they got for me or at the dance studio or at the lot, there was just mobs of paparazzi. But in addition to that, they set up a lot of interviews with their favorite channels. And I was allowed to talk about big cats and saving them in the wild and how we need to pass our federal bill, the Big Cat Public Safety Act and all of that. So I was thrilled to be able to do that. And then I really did, try my best to learn how to dance because the longer I could stay on the show the more I could talk about the cats but (laughs) I they they just could not teach this old cat to dance and so I I was I cannot blame them at all for scratching me by the third show
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd be I'd I'd be with you I can't dance either why I like to think I can
1: I think I have like one dance move and that's about it he cannot dance. I've seen him in the bar and this guy is trying to dance. He's, he's like a huge, he's big tall guy with, and he's trying to dance in there and he's like, watching a bear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you tell us about your podcast because you have your own podcast as well.
2: We have um, three YouTube channels. We've got our main YouTube channel which is mostly big cats. And that's where most of our people are. I think, I forget how many, something like 600 million views or something there. And um, I have a wonderful videographer who puts out a new video every week. And then we have a videographer who puts out a immersive video. So like when you put a headset on and you're like in the environment with the cat, she puts out one of those each week. And then we have a secondary channel called the Daily Big Cat. And that's where I do my recap of what happens at the sanctuary. And if we go live walking around the sanctuary, which we do almost every day, um, those things go there. And then I have my own personal channel. And a couple months before Tiger King came out, so many people had been saying, you know, we want to tell your story. We want to know your whole life story. And so what I did was I've written a diary since I was a child. And so I went back and started recording those and releasing them one a day. And so that's cool. Yeah. So. Uh, It's been interesting to read it because, you know, I write all this stuff and then I haven't read it in like 40 years. And so (laughs) some of it has been truly embarrassing. But I felt like it was important, even the things that were just ghastly embarrassing, to be honest and forthright. And people can make up their own minds about what kind of person I am if they have all of the information. And that's all of the information that's available because I wrote volumes. (laughs) I mean, it would be like, if you were to print that, it would be like probably a book that big. Holy.
1: like Mike's autograph binder,
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, autograph
1: I I I, that...
0: I I collect memorabilia. I like like autograph photos of people. That's why my whole wall is.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Wow. Uh,
1: so what? What oh. one thing? You, you know, one thing you were saying there—the virtual reality—they have that, right? It's the virtual reality the headset that they wear, and they can be inside your sanction or inside your sanctuary, and they can eat, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, you just put it right wow. on. Wow.
1: And and they're right there. So cool wow, that's so
2: cool. Right there around you, you you're you watching the cat eat and you're hearing them crunch those bones. Like it's like right in your face when they're doing that. And I think those are the kinds of um, the engaging interactions people want with animals. And if we can get the zoos to take all of these, you know, they've got great locations usually at most of these zoos because they've been there for a hundred years. So they started when the town was small. And if they were to turn those into like location-based video arcades where people who can't, maybe can't afford a $500 headset could come there and for $10 use their headsets and go into a building that's maybe the Himalayas and you put the thing on and they're blowing cold air at you and you feel like you're out there in the snow and these snow leopards are actually running by these internet-based streaming live webcams so that you're actually seeing these animals living free the way they should be in their own environment. Those are the kinds of things that are going to really get people excited about protecting habitat, not seeing an animal just like wishing in a cage. But I can't say that that's going to work without showing zoos that it will work. And so that's why we've spent time and a lot of money building the first um, AR zoo. It's an augmented reality zoo where there are no animals. We built the first game in um, headsets where people can track a tiger in the wild, and then they find that this tiger has been snared by poachers, and they have to go in and rescue her and set her free. And at the end, they're actually led back to the ranger station where they make a call to Congress to support our federal bill. So that's the first time it's ever been done with a tiger, and we're looking for more of those types of things we can build, like jaguar jungle, or uh, there's so many cats in so many places. You could do so many variations on that. That'd be and so cool. With NFTs, I just start started getting interested in those and with cryptocurrency. And so I'm working with Proton. They're gonna be coming out with some cards for the cats. I actually sold my first NFT. And so these are digital ways that people can enjoy the animals and support the animals. And I think we always need to be doing everything we can to get people engaged in saving our planet before we completely destroy it.
0: I agree. Um, how's your new show coming along, um, exposing animal abuse?
2: They have been messing around with that contract for months, <laughs> but they keep telling me that they're really close. And they said that they expect to start filming on the 19th. Okay.
1: Uh, have you ever had contact with Pamela Anderson? And she's from outside of Vancouver here where we are.
2: I haven't had contact with her, but she was the supporter of a group down in South Florida called Florida, Florida Voices for Animals, I think. Um, and the woman who ran that, her husband owned the basketball team, the Nitros. The is there something I, I
1: don't know.
2: But they were all hooked together. But in all of the the interactions that I ever had with Florida Voices for Animals, I never did meet her.
1: Okay.
0: Have you ever been to Vancouver, Canada? You? <laughs> I've never been what's to that? Canada. Nope.
2: No. Oh, I've been huh? to um, just across the line from Niagara Falls. And that's as far into Canada as I've ever gotten. Okay.
1: okay. Probably Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, must be. Okay, what's next for Carol Baskin? <laughs>
2: Wow. I think the very next thing is to get this federal bill passed. It's been, we've been working on it since the 90s. The first part of it passed in 2003, and that was what made it illegal to sell a big cat across state lines as a pet. Before 2003, I had to turn away 312 big cats in a single year. In addition to the ones that I was able to rescue, there were 312 I couldn't rescue. And back then, all of the sanctuaries were just full and overflowing, And after that bill passed, the very next year, the number, and that number had been doubling every other year, but after 2003, when the Captive Wildlife Safety Act passed, then the number dropped for the first time ever, and it dropped to, like, I think 160-something. And other states started passing bans and partial bans, and so, like, I think last year we had to turn away something like 13, 14 big cats. So those numbers have continued to drop. And now, thankfully, there's enough sanctuaries that those cats were able to go to good places. Back back in 2003, that wasn't the case. So ever since 2003, we've been trying to close the loopholes, because usually whenever, I don't know how much you're involved in laws, but whenever you're trying to get a law passed, there's always somebody on the other side. In this case, it was the Joe Exotics and the Doc Antles and the Tim Starks and the Mario Bros. They were all fighting against it. And so they got a Number of loopholes weaseled into the bill in 2003, but trying to close them, close those loopholes has taken all these years. And I think now, because Tiger King has really shown a light on this industry and how these people are a bunch of criminals, it's going to pass this year. And so, once that passes, I expect in the next five to 10 years, the cats who are currently in cages will die out from old age in most cases. And It's gotta be the first step towards saving the cat in the wild and we're gonna lose the cat in the wild in the next five years or so if we don't stop the captive breeding. And it's hard for people to wrap their heads around that because they think, well, if an animal's nearly extinct, you should breed more. And that's not true because what happens is they breed all of these cubs for cub petting, but they can only use them for about a one month window and then they have to get rid of them and breed more. And so that's why they're constantly breeding hundreds of these big cats. And there's no legitimate use for them after they're about 16 weeks old. And so that's when they start giving them away to people as pets and that never works out or they end up farming them for their parts and they grow that demand for their teeth and their bones and their skins. And when you grow that demand, then it's just like the automobile market. You know, as more people can afford cars, more people want the luxury cars. And the premium product is always going to be the tiger in the wild. And it's always going to be a lot cheaper to shoot a tiger in the wild than it is to raise a tiger until it's big enough to use for its parts, which is like four or five years. And it costs us $10,000 a year to raise a cat. So it's a very expensive um, (laughs) proposition. And so that's why it's putting so much pressure on tigers in the wild, because you've got all of this legal, currently legal activity that creates this smokescreen. If you get caught with a tiger tooth hanging around your neck tomorrow, you could just say it was my pet tiger and nobody can do anything about it. But if it was illegal to have a pet tiger, then you'd be in some serious trouble.
0: Have you ever had uh, like a bad interaction with a lion or a tiger? Have you ever been attacked by accident?
2: My worst scars have come from tearing uh, bobcats apart when they're fighting. When oh, cats... Okay. Cats are solitary. They don't want to share space. And so for the most part, our cats live apart. But every once in a while, there's been cats who actually seem to get along but all of a sudden, one day, it was just like the gloves came off and they were going to kill each other. And so that's where I've gotten into the most trouble is trying to keep them from killing each other. Okay.
1: So how has your life changed now that you're quote unquote famous?
2: You know, here locally in Tampa, Florida, Everybody knows Big Cat Rescue and we've always been, you know, media darlings. People just love being able, because we never charged the media to come out here and film the cats and get all the B-roll they wanted for all the shows. They wanted all of the programs we've ever participated in. We've never been paid for those. And so everybody loved us. And I mean, it was before Tiger King even. If I would pull up at a streetlight, I I had a whole bus pull up next to me and open the doors and everybody got up and was yelling out the window how much they love Big Cat Rescue. And so, you know, that kind of thing was common around Tampa. I didn't realize the impact that Tiger King had on people recognizing me until I flew out to Hollywood for Dancing with the Stars. They had sent a private jet because I couldn't expose myself to COVID because my husband and daughter are very high risk for dying from that. And so they sent me into this little like Nowhereville airport where nobody knew I was coming or anything else. And I got off the plane and I was just bombarded by people wanting selfies. And I was shocked because it just, it struck me as so bizarre that people in California would have any idea who I was. I didn't really come to grips with it until then.
1: How close? Oh, it's it's worldwide for sure. Oh yeah. And how and how close is Clearwater, Florida, to Tampa Bay?
2: About an hour. I go over there all the time. There's oh, uh, that's where Hulk
1: Hogan Hulk Hogan's from Clearwater.
2: I actually ran into him in a Home Depot one time. I was climbing the shelf trying to get something from off the top, and this arm came over the top of me and got it for me it was like here you go little lady and I was like oh my god he is huge
1: (laughs) I thought you were going to say he came off the top with an elbow (laughs) (laughs) uh I got a couple more here um hey there's a new documentary coming out about Joe which I saw you tweeting about last night maybe or whoever runs your accounts but your your thoughts on this second documentary gets coming
2: i'm not sure which one you're talking about there was one called shooting joe exotic that actually aired in the uh uk on the B- BBC bc channel is that the one must have been right
1: no I'm, well I'm, there, <laughs>
2: there were two that came out like back then. so shooting joe exotic was done by louis Theroux on for the bbc and that aired on Monday night. And then on Tuesday night, a film called The Conservation Game came out. And The Conservation Game is, yeah. doesn't have anything to do with Joe. Um, it's talking in, well, I guess it, it mentions him because it's, there's a scene where I'm I'm in it <laughs> and I'm in it because I'm at the hearing or that the trial for the murder for hire. But um, the primary thrust of that is talking about how all of these fake conservationists taking these baby cats onto late night tv shows are what has started this whole problem they are the the genesis of all of the abuse that these cats are suffering now so that one just came out on tuesday but it only came out at a film festival and they haven't made it public to you know they showed it there but nowhere else yet yeah it won an
1: award yeah i saw that on your twitter as well yeah Best
2: social justice film, which is amazing for a a film about animals to get the best social justice film award.
0: uh, Has Joe's uh, husband ever contacted you, Dylan? He has not. Okay.
1: Uh, Oh, this one's a good one. Who's the best tiger in the world? Tiger King, Tiger Woods, or Tony the Tiger?
2: Oh, Tony the Tiger. (laughs) He's great. (laughs) Yeah. Right.
1: Uh, I got one last question. Mike, you got one first? No, I'm good. Okay. How often or how tired of being asked if you killed your husband? Like that must come up all the time.
2: Yeah. You know, before Tiger King, nobody took these people seriously when they would say these kinds of things. It was said back in 1998 uh, by people that turned out to be in Tiger King and who said it again. But because there was never any evidence to back that up. And like I said, at that page that I've mentioned before, people can go and see all of the evidence there. And it just, it was never a thing. And even though Joe said it all the time, nobody would believe a person like Joe, but because the producers in Tiger King did such a good job of creating that um monster yeah i mean it was like they gave this megaphone to anybody who would come out and say that i killed my husband as a way of deflecting away from the real issues and i think that's why the people who have said it in the past have done so is because you know they don't want to talk about where these cats end up and what happens to them And the best way to make sure that somebody gets completely off track is to throw something like that out in the air. It's like, oh, look at this. This guy disappeared and she's got tigers. And so she must have fed him to the tigers. And people are all just, you know, like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And then they've forgotten all about the fact that we're talking about cub abuse over here. So it served them well to be doing that. But it's never, you know, I've never seen people. Take it and run, like we did after Tiger King. So, yeah, you can imagine. I've yeah. probably done, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 interviews since Tiger King, and of course, everybody feels like that's the question that they just have to ask.
1: I know that's why I, <laughs> I saved it till the very last question in case I didn't want it to
2: throw
1: it Is that there hung now. up on you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Exactly yeah
0: we did not want that we are fans of Carol baskin so we are pro Carol baskin um, I just want to thank you very much uh, for taking the time for us today and coming on it meant a lot to us uh, when we finally found out
1: that you're uh, willing to come on the show and we appreciate it
2: well thank you for being persistent you know I think persistence is the the best um, best character trait that anybody can have and you guys were so thank you so much
1: If you're looking for a mug perhaps a hoodie head on over to. I only touch greatness.com. Looking for the most beers on tap, great steaks, great staff? Head over to the John B. Pub. We got the best beers, steaks, chicken wings, nachos in town. Come see us at the John B. Pub. The John B. Pub, the best bar in town. Come sign up for our football pool. Say hey, St. You.